Father, you are indeed good. And uh, right now, we can just bask in your goodness, Lord. We just, we just praise you, uh, Lord. I think that we, right now, we've just kind of experienced a taste of your goodness as we've just been able to praise you. Uh, it's the overflow of our hearts, God. It's, it's just how we feel on the inside, and we can't help but to express that through praise. And that's what's been happening right now. Uh, God, we've just been overwhelmed as we reflect in our minds just about how good you are. And as we sing your praises, God, that's what happens. It's just the overflow. God, it's, it's the outward expression of just how we feel in our hearts. God, and that's what we've been able to experience right now. Lord, but as we open your word, God, your word has this ability to show us something that's within our hearts. Maybe it's something to, that, that we need to be encouraged about. Or maybe it's something that, that, that needs to be purged from our hearts. Or maybe it's something that, that we need a realization about our hearts that, God... Maybe our hearts don't belong to you. Maybe that's a realization that we need to have today. But God, I know that your word has the power to do that. Your, your word has the power to change everything about our hearts. So Lord, today as we look at your word, I pray that our hearts are changed. I pray that our minds are just tuned into you right now. God, our ears are open. And God, more importantly, our hearts are just connected with yours right now as we just listen to what you have to say to us through your word. You have given us this precious gift, which is the truth. And God, may we just tune into it right now. As we hear from you, as we hear from our Father who loves us so much, our Father who is good, God, may we listen to you right now as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Woo, it is hot. Somebody needs to cut the air on in here. And I got an amen. That is like the biggest amen I've ever got in Simple Church. Thank you for that. Um. So we've been in, in the series of Daniel here lately, and I just had to take a break from that for just a moment. Uh, just for our students, they've been talking about glory revealed, God's glory revealed, and I could not, uh, I would not, not on a tree, not on a train, Sam let me be. I could not just stop, I, I could not continue on in the, in the Daniel series and not just stop for a moment, pause for a moment, and just focus on this glory revealed thing. I mean, I've been in... I've been listening to David Nasser talk uh, this weekend. I was there on the Friday night service. I was there for the Saturday night service. And yes, students, I tuned in the live stream and listened to the Saturday morning service that David Nasser spoke about. And he challenged you guys with God's word and how many verses of God's word have you memorized. And I love what he said. He had everybody stand up. He said, how many years have you been a Christian? If you've been a Christian for four years or more, stand up. You know, And he had them stand up. He said, if you've been a Christian, let's say eight years. If you have eight Bible verses memorized for one verse for every eight years, you one Bible verse for every uh, year you've been a Christian, then remain standing. And people are like, he said, because I'm going to call you out and get you to come up here and recite those Bible verses. Like he said, I'll take any verse you got. Jesus slept, Jesus wept, whatever you got. I mean, like, I'll take them all. And like, people just started sitting down by the droves. Like, man, they're like, that dude is crazy enough. He'll make us do it. You know what I mean? Like, and... and I mean, that was his challenge. He's like, it's, it's different. You've got to be a student of the Word. You know, you've got to study the Word. And uh, I just, I love that, y'all. And I, I, was, I was in the car, and I was like, yes, you go, David. You know, I was pumped up. And he was saying all the stuff that I want to say. But anyway, so he can do that because he don't have to face you guys week in and week out. I still want you to like me. So anyway, uh, so I wanted to talk about God's glory revealed. I wanted to talk about God's glory. And I wanted to talk about what is so heavy on my heart right now. So you guys know that just recently I challenged the whole church. I passed out these little pieces of paper, right? You remember that? You remember that? I talked about how, how Jesus is like number one thing. 
Like, this is what Jesus said we're supposed to go and do. What was that? To make what? Disciples, right? Like, this, if Jesus said you're supposed to do anything, you're supposed to do this one thing, right? This is like, you know, yes, you can go and feed the hungry. You can go and give somebody a drink of water. You can go and put clothes on somebody. You can go and give somebody a place to live. But the number one thing that you're supposed to do as a follower of Jesus Christ is to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Like that's number one on the list, right? And like I say, okay, well, good. Then take that piece of paper and write down all the people of, of, that, that you're making disciples of Jesus Christ. Write those names down on that list. Just write them down. And you should have seen the blank stares all across the room. Like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. So I'm encouraged to know, right? Like everybody's checking names off that list right now, right? Like everybody's, you got, you got those names and, and you've been working on those names, right? You've been, you've been saying, you know what? That really challenged me and God really challenged me with that. that that's number one. I'm supposed to be doing that. So I've done something about it, Right? Everybody feels that way, right? We, we were challenged by it, and God spoke to us, right? So we're doing something, right? See, here's the problem. We're playing a dangerous game, y'all. We're playing a dangerous, dangerous game. And that is we're coming in here, and we're being challenged by the Word of God. We're looking at it as a mirror, and then we're walking out there, and we're not doing a single thing about it. That is a very dangerous game to play. We cannot, cannot continue to come in here and look at God's word and be challenged by it. And students, you cannot, cannot, cannot go to a D-Now service and God stir your heart. And then you walk out of that D-Now service and then you act completely different when you come in here on Sunday morning. That is not Okay. God's speaking to your heart and he's showing you things and he's working on your heart and then you just dismiss it. That's not okay, ladies and gentlemen. Students, it's not okay. And it bothers me. It really does. It bothers me. And I was, I was talking to Kayla just a few minutes ago. We were just over here and I just, she said, you got a sad look on your face. I'm like, yeah, I am sad, man. I just... I want us to do something. And I, I'm, it's like I'm tired of standing up here telling everybody to do something. I just want to say, hey, I don't know if y'all want to do it or not, but I'm just going to go do something. And then if y'all want to go with me, we'll go do something together. And that's really the way I feel. Francis Chan, I mean, he just left his church. He said, look, we come in here every Sunday, and this is what he said. This is the way Francis Chan described it. He said, it's, it's like a football game. And everybody gets in a huddle. The offense gets in a huddle and says, all right, here's the play. Everybody ready? This is the play. This is what we're going to run. And they say, all ready? Ready? Break. And they all break. And they break the huddle. And then they go sit down on the sidelines. And they go sit on the bench. And they just wait. And then for the next play, they get back in the huddle. And they say, all right, everybody ready? Ready? This is what we're going to do. This is the next play. Everybody ready? All right, break. And then they go and they sit back down on the bench. And they wait for the next play. And that's what Sunday mornings are like. We're not running the play. We're just, we're just getting in the huddle every single Sunday. We're not running the play. And that's what I feel like sometimes. That's what I feel like sometimes. So I'm going to do some stuff, and I hope you guys will join me. Um, Jesus, one of the first things he did was he went and talked to a Samaritan woman, and uh, she wasn't like Jesus, not at all like Jesus. As a matter of fact, there, she, Jesus was an ethnic Jew, which means he didn't look like me. 
Uh, you know, his skin was not white like me. I'm like pasty white, and he was not like me, okay? Yeah, he probably had dark hair like me, which is cool. Like, I got Jesus' hair, maybe, and if I let my hair grow out, it would probably be wavy, kind of like his, but my hair kind of gets, like, big like an afro, so I don't know if it would exactly look like Jesus. <laughs> Tony, Tony, you got afro hair, too, man? You got to tame that stuff or something, don't you? Yeah, I know, I know what you mean, man. I'm the same way. It like gets big. I don't know. My hair doesn't grow long, and like some of these guys got the long flowing hair. You know, mine doesn't. It just goes out. Like I don't understand. You know. But anyway, so, but one of the things Jesus did is he, he went and talked to a Samaritan woman. And that's what we see in John chapter four, and that's where we're going to be today. I mean, like this is early in his ministry, right? Like Jesus hadn't done a whole lot in this point. I mean, and remember the guy is narrating the story is John. That's the dude that like. Jesus really loved and was like really tight with. And everybody's like, is that okay for Jesus to be really tight with somebody? And, and, and John even calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I think it's just the way that it was, man. I mean, like you can judge that all day long and say, is that okay? I don't know if it's okay or not, but I know that, that Jesus had some, some guys that he was close to. And James and John and Peter, they, I mean, they were some of, the, some of the guys that he was closest to. And that's just the way that it was. And here, this is one of the guys that he was the closest to. And John records the story. And, like, I mean, he hasn't done a whole lot up until this point. I mean, like, if you look at John's gospel, I mean, like, he's turned some water into wine so far. And he's talked to Nicodemus. And he's given us John 3.16. And, like, that's it, right? Like, John 3.16 is a beautiful verse. And we all know that. And that's great. But that's pretty much all Jesus has done so far. And now, like, everybody's all ticked off at him. And, like, he's walking around, and he goes through Samaria. Now, the problem the Jews had with Samaritans is that they were, like, half-breeds. Like, they were, they were people that were just... See, Jewish people, like, they believed that they were God's chosen people. And, like, you didn't... If you weren't God's chosen people, you, I mean, you didn't, like, intermarry with somebody that wasn't a Jew. Like, and, and, and you just stayed within your own, Right? And that comes from God's commandment early on to keep their religion pure, to keep their, their people pure, that that was the way that it was. And Jesus came and said, no, no, I mean, I came for the Jew and the Gentile. So, so like, it, they had, like, things mixed up a little bit, right? So they, they actually hated everybody else if they weren't Jewish. So Jesus came to, like, rock their world a little bit and said, like, I love everybody, and I want to show you that. I want to put it on display that it's not okay for you to hate your neighbor. You know what I mean? Like, that's not all right. Just because we're keeping ourselves pure in this nation of Israel that God is blessed. Man, God has used you to be a light to the world to show that God is good. And y'all are using it for the wrong purpose. Y'all are using it to display hate. And that is the wrong way. So here, Jesus is like he's walking around, right? And he, So, man, I love the providence of God. I love the fact that Jesus knows everything that's going on. He knows what's about to happen. He knows what did happen. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows what's going to happen in a thousand years. And Jesus is walking around, man, and he's, he walks into this Samaritan town, and he knows what's about to happen. And you guys know this story. You know this story. I'm just going to point out a few things to you. I think, I think we got to do like Jesus did. And he talked to somebody that wasn't like him. I think that we got to talk to some more people that ain't like us, y'all. He walks into the Samaritan town, and, and he sits down. He, t- he sends his disciples off. He's like, I got to get you all away from me. And, and sometimes as a pastor, I got to get you all away from me. That's just reality. I, I got to go, and I got to, I got me and the Holy Spirit got to go, and we got to do stuff, okay? Now, I will tell you this, that I go and I do stuff that nobody knows about. And you need to do that sometimes, 
You need to go and you need to do stuff in the name of Jesus Christ that even your spouse does not know about. And that is okay for you to do that. Nobody in this world needs to know but you and Jesus, and you need to go and do some of that stuff. You need to go and listen to me. You need to go and take some of your money that you've been setting aside for birthdays or Christmases or anniversary or whatever. Go and spend that on somebody in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what you need to go and do. There's your pastor talking, I'm telling you. You need to go and you need to take some of that money that you're putting it aside selfishly and go and spend that on somebody else in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Spirit of God lead you and you go and you do that. You go and serve somebody in the name of Jesus Christ and nobody else knows it. Now do it wisely. Don't, don't go up to somebody that, that you know has got some serious drug addiction. You go off and go into their crack house. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about be wise and be sensible and listen to the Holy Spirit. But I'm, I'm talking about go and serve somebody and nobody else know about it. Do that. Only you and God know what you did. I'm telling you. I'm telling you that's one of the ways that we're supposed to do things in private. Fasting is another way. Giving is something you're supposed to do in private. And then prayer is another thing that's supposed to be done more privately than it is publicly. Is it okay to give publicly? Absolutely. Is it okay to fast publicly? It is. But you're supposed to do all of those things more so privately than you are publicly. Interesting, right? Interesting. But here Jesus is going and he's just talking to a lady. Now she comes to this well in the middle of the day, which is not normal, right? So... Most of the women, they would come to draw water at a well. They would come in the evening or the morning because it's cooler, and you know that's when most of the other women are there, and they would gossip. It's like water cooler time right at the office, so that's what was happening. So they would all come, and they would sit around the well, and they would talk about, hey, you know, I saw your new hairdo, and, you know, that's, that's a cool turban you got on, and, you know, like, I mean, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, but they would, you know, they, they would gossip and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm just making that up. I don't know if they were or not. But they, were, they would hang out at the well, and they would talk like ladies do, okay? And you can't prove me wrong. Go and look it up. You can't prove me wrong. So anyway, so they would hang out at the well. All the ladies hanging out at the well, drawing their water, doing their thing, right? But this lady, she couldn't come when everybody else did, so she comes during the middle of the day. Well, Jesus has sent his boys off to go and find some food to do their thing, and he's by himself, and he starts talking to this lady. And she's not like him. She's a Samaritan. She's one of the people that, that the Jews are supposed to hate. You know, they don't want to associate with Samaritans. They don't even want to be in the same room as a Samaritan, and Jesus is just talking to her. And this is what he says. He says, man, and I... Let's just, I'm going to just read it to you for just a second. He says, please give me a drink. Please give me a drink. And, and th- he says he was alone because his disciples, the woman was surprised. for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritan. So, so she says, why are you, a Jew, why are you, and I'm a Samaritan, why are you asking me for a drink? She's, so she asked him a question. We need to have more conversations like this with people. We need to have more conversations like this with people. See, we think that experiencing God sometimes, and this, this bothers me a lot, we think that the experiencing God sometimes is, is just in here in a worship service when we raise our hands and we're praising God and we can feel the Holy Spirit and we feel the tingle sensation all over our arms up to our fingertips and we, we think that that's just experiencing God. 
I can tell you that some of the greatest experiences I've had with God and with the Holy Spirit, one of them was in West Anderson when I was talking to a man who was on crack at the time and his eyes were bloodshot and he looks at me and he says, I just don't want to be on crack anymore. And I could feel the Holy Spirit of God like nothing else in the world. We need to have more conversations like that. We need to be talking to more people like that. I really believe that that's real worship, man. I believe that it's not just in here talking about how good God is. I believe it's being out there experiencing how good God is. So here Jesus is he's talking to this lady and why are you why are you asking me for a drink? He, so she asked him a question. So then he spurs a conversation to talk about God. And that's what he does. He says, if only you knew the gift God has for you, you who are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. He's like, you don't understand, but, but like, <laughs> I'm asking you for water. But man, if you understood the gift that God has for you, you would be asking me for a drink. The roles would be reversed here if you actually understood what was going on. You would be asking me for living water. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. The conversation has changed. When you have conversations with people that don't look like you and act like you and you're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ, you have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional about it. You can't just sit around and wait and be like, well, maybe Jesus will come up. They say, hey, do you go to church somewhere? You can't just wait on that to pop up. When they talk about water, you go, man... Let me tell you about living water. When they talk about bread, you go, hey, the bread of life, yeah. When they talk about the stars and the moon and the sky, I mean, when they talk about light, you can talk about the light of the world. I mean, like there are a ton of ways that you can draw Jesus into a conversation. Everybody asks me, like, how am I supposed to share the gospel with somebody? And I say, talk to them. How am I supposed to initiate the conversation? I say, I don't know. I'm not in that conversation you're having with that person. But I know this. If I'm having a conversation with a person, I usually find a way to incorporate Jesus into it. I, it, it, I just, it, it can just naturally flow out. Somebody, like for me, example. I, I give you an example. I say, how many kids do you have? And I got three kids. Two sons and one daughter. I say, I used to have a daughter. And you know where I'm going, right? I, I got two daughters. I used to have one and she passed away with cancer. Let me tell you what I experienced through that. I experienced the goodness of God. Can I tell you about that for a minute? Before you know it, I'm talking about how good God is. How you can't have peace without Jesus. There's no way that you can have any solace in your life without Jesus Christ. And I'm sharing the gospel with somebody just like that. Just like that. He's turned the conversation around, turned it towards God. So then he does something else. So then he, he pulls a Jesus thing on her. And uh, he starts to tell her some stuff about her life. Right? He's got to show her that what he's saying is supernatural. It's not just like he's, he's saying something that, that like anybody could say. Right? Like, okay, you got living water. Okay, well, like, yeah, give me some of that. And he's like, uh, yeah. Well, let me tell you how I got living water. Let me tell you how I can know that there is living water and it's a gift that's available for you. And, and he's, like, he's like, go and get your husband. She's like, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You're right. See, there are five other guys. And the ones you're with right now, the ones you're living with, he ain't even your husband either. And she goes, whoa. 
I'm not just talking to anybody. I'm not just talking to your average Joe. I'm not just talking to your average Jew here. This guy's something special. Do you realize in John's gospel here, she starts talking about worship. She says, you know, the Jews, they, they say they kinda, you got to worship down there in Jerusalem. And, and the, the Samaritans say you got to worship up on Mount Gerizim. And, and Jesus is like, man, there's coming a day when, when that, none of that's going to matter. The worship's going to be in here. You know, it's, it's not going to matter where you're at physically. You're going to worship when it happens in here. And that's what real worship's going to be about. And having this whole conversation about worship. And she's like, man, I... I've heard about the Jews talk about this Messiah that's to come. And Jesus doesn't have to do this. I want you to understand that Jesus doesn't have to do what he's about to do. But here he is, one-on-one with this woman who's completely different than him. One-on-one with this woman who is an outcast in society. One-on-one with somebody that, that, that doesn't even fit in with the rest of the Jews. And he looks at her and he says, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you've heard about. I'm the one that you're thinking about right now. She goes, aha, that's the reason. That's the reason you know all this stuff. You ever have one of those aha moments where Jesus says, I'm the Messiah? If you're not a Christian, you, you don't know what I'm talking about. And I, 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 hope, I hope that you have one of those moments where God reveals himself to you and you finally get it, okay? I can't make it happen for you. I, I, w- I would lay down my life absolutely on, on this altar and I would give my life if I could make just one of you experience what I'm talking about that has not experienced it before. I would willingly die right this moment if, if one of you could be saved. Absolutely. But there are some of you that have never experienced this aha moment where you realize that's the Messiah. Jesus is the one. He really is the one. I remember when I was nine years old and I gave my life to Christ and and, and yeah, I screwed up and I did a lot of bad stuff, okay? But I remember when I recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. And I remember that aha moment, that heart moment. When it, it's just like this overwhelming sense that Jesus is the answer that I've been looking for. That no matter what happens, no matter what I go through in life, that there's a place that I can go. That no matter how bad I screw up, mess up, how many times my life is turned upside down, no matter what happens in life, there's a place that I can go to because he's the Messiah. I remember that time when I said, you know what, God, I don't understand everything, okay? And you got a really big book here, and there's a lot of words I don't understand, and especially in the King James Version, I don't understand a lot of them. But this is what I know, that this Jesus you're talking about, that is a real person, and he is real to me. And I want to say yes to him. And I fell down on my face, and I said, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say, but I just, I need Jesus. I just need Jesus. And I just said, yes. I just, just yes. And God said, I'm here. I'm right here. I'm not just, look, I'm not just making myself cry. I just, it's, it's overwhelming sometimes when you think about, he was there. God was there. He was, just, he was right there. And he was calling me. 
It's overwhelming sometimes, y'all. I was, uh, I was standing right there earlier, and uh, I was just kind of overwhelmed by everything, you know. I got to stand up here and preach, and I got a lot of stuff that's on my heart, and uh, I was talking to God, you know. I just talked to him, and uh, he said, you know, if you, if you go down there, I'll, I'll be there. I said, you know, I, I don't care if I'm the only one that ever comes down the altar. I don't really care about that. I'll go down here. He said, you know, if you, if you go down there, I'll be there. I thought, you'll be there? He said, of course I'll be there. Some of you don't know that. You, you, you don't know it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I wish you did. Like I said, I would give my life so that you could know it. This woman, she knew it. I said, I'm the Messiah. You know how I know she knew it? There's two reasons I know she knew it. It tells you in your Bible. You can read it if you want to. It tells you two things. Number one is uh, she left her water there. She, the disciples showed up. She didn't even get a chance to respond to what Jesus was saying. She just took off. She didn't walk. She ran. And she left her water sitting right there. Now, if you're somebody that lives in the desert, you don't leave your water bucket. That's something you don't do. She left her water and said, I'm going to go tell somebody. And you know who she told? Everybody. She did, I mean, when a heart change happens, you don't, just, you don't just sit there and go, oh, yeah, that was a personal thing between me and Jesus. She ran. She left her water, but she didn't care about water anymore. She had living water. She had living water. And that's all she needed. And uh, she went and told her, and, and a bunch of people come back. They come back to see if what she was saying is true. And then the disciples, they got food with them, right? They got food with them. And uh, they start trying to get Jesus to eat. Come on, Jesus, eat. And, and Jesus has got a word for, for them. And I, I want you to understand something. This is for the Christians in the room. This is for the people that are Christ followers. That like, you want to serve in the name of Jesus. Um, I want you to know what it's like for just a minute to serve in the name of Jesus. I want you to hear this. The disciples... We're urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Verse 32, but Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up. And look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are, are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. And others had already done the work. And now... You will get to gather the harvest. 
This is for Christians. All right, if you're a Christ follower and you got that list of, of people that you haven't made disciples of, okay? You know that you're supposed to, you just hadn't done it yet, all right? If you do it, if you do it, and you do it in the name of Jesus Christ, you don't do it begrudgingly, it will so fill you up, it will give you nourishment that you cannot even imagine. When you go and you go and serve somebody, when you, give, when you go and you buy something for somebody in need and nobody else knows about it, when you take that little bit of money that you've been sticking it back that nobody knows about, it will give you such nourishment that you cannot believe it. Nobody's going to give you credit for it. Nobody's going to give you the gold star to put on your shirt. No, nobody's going to know. But you're going to get such nourishment, such fulfillment. It's, it, it's not, I wouldn't even say it's joy. It's just like understanding that you're fulfilling your purpose. Understand, if you've ever done this, okay... And there's a few people in here, and I, I know your faces, and I know that you have. You've led somebody to Christ, or maybe, you know, some of us were in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and you were just there handing people a bag of food because they didn't have food. And I mean, like, you just have this sense that this is what I was created for. You, you just have this knowledge that, man, this, this is why I exist right here to do this. It's such nourishment and the disciples at this point in time, they ain't even getting it yet. They will get it. As a matter of fact, they'll put their lives on the line because they get it so much. But for some of you, some of you, you've never experienced it. And I want to encourage you to step out there and to do it. For some of you, you've done it and you've forgotten. I want you to remember. For some of you, you've never done it because your life doesn't belong to Jesus. I want you to know that he's here. That's all I have to say. Father, your word is true. We need to go and we need to make disciples. And we need to go and we need to talk to people that aren't like us. We need to love on people. And uh, we need to be like Jesus. I don't know any other way to say it. God, there are people here that don't know you. And they need to. There may be students here that all weekend long, God, you've, you've been calling them. You've been reaching out to them. They have not responded. And God, they, maybe they felt like it's too late and they missed the opportunity. It's not too late. God, that if they come to this altar, God, you're saying that I'm here. You told me that. God, when I got to the altar, when I was nine years old, you told me, so I'm here. God, no matter if they're nine years old or 90 years old, God, they don't have to be worried. They can come to this altar and they can say, yes to you and you can say I'm here Lord I just pray that you would speak to people you would convict their hearts God and you would just show them how you're real that you are indeed the Messiah and you're here to rescue them God speak truth to people now through your Holy Spirit I pray that you would move us in the name of Jesus our King Amen